Thank you, Russell and Beth. We'll be preaching from Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18, we'll begin in verse 1. While you're turning, let me remind you again of next uh, week, God and Country Day, and I'll give you a little bit of housekeeping instructions. This front section right over here, for those of you who sit right in there, I'm going to have that reserved for the veterans and their families, probably to about halfway back. We have 16 veterans uh, that we'll be recognizing, and uh, I want to, of course, give them a special section with them and their families. Uh, and, of course, uh, that means that some of you will be displaced, and, of course, some of the veterans will not be in your regular place because you sit all over the building. Uh, I want to be sure that you're here. Uh, and we have 16 veterans, and we'll have them and their families here, which brings me to a, a, another note. If you're a veteran uh, that, that's coming and I, you have not talked to me and I have not given you a piece of paper to fill out with some of your information and so forth, I need you to see me today to make sure that uh, we haven't missed anyone. Uh, but you need to come. We have some special guests coming. It'll be a special day. Uh, and you come next Sunday morning. Uh, Acts chapter 18, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? Acts chapter 18. Beginning in verse 1, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them. So, because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for by occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on I will go to the Gentiles." And he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and were baptized. And the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision, Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent. For I am with you. No one will attack you to hurt you. I have many people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word puts all of our lives into perspective and also puts into perspective what we do as a church. And we ask we would get a clear vision today of the significance of baptism. And Father, as we celebrate having another baptismal service, we ask that its meaning would not be missed. And Father, we thank you for the beautiful message that you give us through your word and through this ordinance. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Now, at Brister, baptism is always a celebration. It's not just something we tack on at the end of the service because it is evidence that God is at work. But you realize as we kind of finish up our uh, series on missions, and of course we just finished World Mission Sunday a couple of weeks ago, baptism is a key component in the work of reaching the world with the good news. How? First of all, 
Jesus instructed us to do this. As Jesus gave us what we call the Great Commission at the end of Matthew chapter 28, he said, you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So, so why do we have a baptismal service when someone comes up and they accept Christ and they present themselves as a candidate for baptism? Well, you might want to have all these different reasons why, but the first and foremost, Jesus told us to. That's the only instruction we need. He said, you reach the world with the gospel, then you baptize them and bring them in to the church after they're brought into the kingdom of God. What's the significance of baptism? In this passage of scripture, we have the proper order of events. In verse 8, it says simply, Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and were baptized. There's the proper order of events. Hearing, believing, and were baptized. So they heard because someone was faithful to present the word of God. And that's why it's so encouraging when we have a baptismal service. That means that somebody has been faithful to present the word of God. It could be from this pulpit. It could be in the Iwana program. It could be in the Sunday school classes. It could be in a Bible school class. It could be upstairs in the youth room. But that tells us that is evidence that somebody somewhere is faithful to present the gospel message. And somebody heard the gospel message. And then some of those who heard the gospel message believed the gospel message. But of course, it's pretty obvious a person can't respond to a message they have not heard. Paul puts this in perspective in Romans chapter 10, just a few pages from where you are, Romans chapter 10, and he underscores some important things about the proper sequence of events. Romans chapter 10, verse 8. Romans chapter 10, verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart one believes unto righteousness, and with a mouth confession is made to salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. There is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is over all, is rich upon all who call him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call upon him whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? We have the whole progression of the work of the church. People are sent. People are called. People preach. People hear. People believe. And people are saved. That's the gospel message. And that's the work that we do. So the proper order of events here in, of course, uh, Philippi, was the fact 
that somebody heard, or Corinth, somebody heard, somebody believed, and then they were baptized. That is the proper order of events. You know, a lot of times we'll have a baptismal service, and then maybe some of the little children get all happy about maybe getting baptized because that water looks like a lot of fun up there. And they'll come and say, and why can't I be baptized? And we have to explain, well, baptism comes after something that's far more important, and that's salvation. That is the sequence. Hearing, believing, then baptism. And so we have a pattern that emerges if you read through the book of Acts. This passage of scripture tells us about the proper order of events. But I want us to notice a pattern and we see how it all relates to God's commission that he gave to them, not only in Matthew chapter 28, but also in Acts chapter 1. Jesus said, you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the farthest corners of the earth. So I want us to start back in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Peter is wrapping up his message on the day of Pentecost. He has a captive audience of thousands of people who had come to the Passover. And the Jerusalem was filled with people from all over the world. And they're listening to what he says. And he says this, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sin. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and your children, to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. That day about 3,000 souls were added unto them. Here we see, of course, Jerusalem. Jesus said, start here. In this passage of scripture, you see the, the proper sequence of events. They heard some things. And then they believed some things. In verse 41, those who gladly received his word. It doesn't just say they heard the word. It's different to hear something and to receive something. That meant they believed it. They received it. They heard it. They believed it. And they were baptized. Peter underscores this sequence of events. They said, what shall we do? And he says in verse 38, you repent and be baptized. You see the sequence of events? Not just go be baptized. You repent and be baptized. He says, of course, for the remission of sins. Aha. Be baptized for the remission of sins. The word for here in the original Greek doesn't mean be baptized to get rid of your sins. It means be baptized on the occasion of the remission of sins. What came first? Repentance. Now this is important because even as far back as John the Baptist, that sequence of events was mentioned. It says in the book of Luke, 
It says that in chapter 3, John was baptizing in the wilderness and many people were coming to his baptism. Well, here comes the Pharisees. They won't in on the action. So they came and said, we want to be baptized. And he says, stop right there and you bring forth evidence of repentance. What was he saying? Baptism will do you no good and it will accomplish nothing until repentance has come. In other words, until that proper sequence of events takes place, that baptismal water would just make you wet. It will not wash away a single sin. Peter said this a little bit later in his letter. He said, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh as he talked about baptism in 1 Peter chapter 3, but he said this, the answer of a good conscience toward God. What is it? It's evidence I have a good conscience toward God. I've heard, I have believed, I've accepted Christ. Now baptism is that. Why why was baptism so important? From the very start, on the day of Pentecost, as the church begins to march through history, he said, repent, but don't stop there. Be baptized. Here's the reason why. With Peter and with Christ, And with the early church, there would be no such thing as secret disciples. You accept Jesus Christ, you let the world know about Christ. And baptism is the first step in letting people know about Jesus Christ. Because in going through the baptismal waters, it is this. You can count me in with God's people. Going through the baptismal waters, it's this. I have accepted Christ and I can testify to the world Jesus saves. That is the message of the baptismal waters. So Peter said, there's no secret disciples. You repent, now be baptized. That's the step. Well, we go further through the book of Acts, and we see in Acts chapter 8, verse 9, another instance of the proper sequence of events. We'll back up to verse 4 familiar passage of scripture. We've read it a couple of times over the last month in Acts chapter 8 verse 4. Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded heard, listened to the things which were spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles that he did. For unclean spirits cried with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon, who previously practiced sorcery in the city, and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished him with his sorceries for a long time. There's a key word in the next verse. But, but when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Simon himself also believed when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and the signs which were done. In Samaria, it says many people believed and were baptized. You see the order of events there? But where, where is this? This is in Samaria. 
you remember the commission that Jesus gave in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. We've already seen that. In Samaria. Now we're seeing that. And then go over just a few more chapters to uh, chapter 16, verse 11. Acts chapter 16, verse 11. We continue with a narrative about the travels of Paul. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony. We're staying in that city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now, certain women named Lydia heard us. And she was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things which were spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. So she persuaded us. You see, of course, there's the sequence of events there. She heard us. And it says she gave heed to us. We know that was more than just hearing us because he wasn't satisfied with saying she heard us. He said she gave heed to us. She responded to what she, we said, and then she was baptized. She heard she believed and was baptized. But notice where this was, Philippi. Philippi was well over a thousand miles from Jerusalem. So you see the pattern? You'll be witnesses in Jerusalem. You'll be witnesses in Samaria. And you'll be witnesses in the othermost parts of the earth. Jesus gave this commission to the disciples. But we also know he gave this commission to the church. And now we have people who are being baptized in Jerusalem. They're being baptized in Samaria. And they're being baptized in Philippi and the places far beyond. And, this, and we also saw they were baptized in Corinth. So what does that tell us? That tells us this. Every single person that was baptized was a witness to the power of God. Every time we have a baptismal service, that person is a witness to the power of God. So what does that mean? When we accept the Lord... When we're baptized, we start right then in obedience to the command of the Lord to be witnesses to him. The candidate for baptism telling everybody what has happened. Jax came up last week and said to, to all this church, he has accepted the Lord as his personal Savior. And he talked to us down here. But as we go into the baptismal waters, he's telling the whole world, Jesus Christ is able to save souls. He's a witness. So therefore, we, we understand baptism is important. It's important here, but it's important in the whole picture of reaching the world. Because we start right here, right now, after we're saved, being a witness to the power of God and to the glory of Christ. That keeps it going. Because who knows when somebody sees a baptismal service, then they begin to ask questions. What's this all about? Then we can explain to them, 
Here's what it's all about. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And somebody heard the word. Somebody believed the word. And now they're telling the whole world that they can count them in with God's people. What about you? As we prepare for an invitational hymn, what about you? You've heard the word. Jesus Christ is able to save sinners. That includes all of us. Jesus Christ can save you. Have you believed what you heard? Maybe you've believed, but you want to say, you count me in with God's people. Maybe you've never followed him in baptism. That is just a step of obedience. It's significant because God says it's significant. But the priority is, above all things, are you in the family of God? Do you know without a doubt that you belong to Jesus Christ through faith? As we stand and sing.